Hello, everyone, and welcome to yet another episode of The Problem with Reading. I'm Brevin. I'm Steven. And I'm Sam. And we are here with a short and sweet episode for you because Steven and I are dog-tired with grad school, work, etc. So we're just going to have a little fun on the side and then get back to our regularly scheduled lives. At least that's the hope. That would be nice if we could get back to regularly scheduled lives. I'm starting to uh, to have doubts. I do appreciate that you let the listeners know that we actually do have lives outside of this. Well, we have to maintain the appearance that, you know, we're not merely sound waves in the void. That's a really old joke. That's a callback. We never even talked about that on the show. I just decided I that with did. the that description. Just, yeah. Yeah, it was just a description. And we would always get questions on like, so what is your podcast? No, I would share it with friends. And they, or they'd ask me like, what's your podcast called? And I'm like, oh, the problem was reading. And then I'd see them like later. And they're like, we're all sound waves in a, what is going on here? So I'm, I'm happy we never, yeah. It would have what been, was going on there? It would have kind of been like a fun, I don't know, overarching narrative to establish it if we had thought that far ahead, where like we're going back and reflecting on different days in the past from our post-apocalyptic future or or something as sound waves. I don't know. So, so from what I recall, like it wasn't an idea that we all had. It was just I think you just put it in the description and none of us really objected. Is that is that a correct? recollection yep that's about it you guys have Mm -hmm. to have zero oversight over anything i do i mean i'm not complaining because you're the one that does all the editing so i mean really it all shakes out but like did did you get the idea of post-apocalypse sound wave something something from like mcintyre's a canticle for leibowitz opening uh i mean apocalypse was on the mind you know um what's the this metaphysical wasteland Uh, so Mm -hmm. you know Apocalypse was 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 in the brain space, and uh, it's a podcast, so it's a, a podcast from the apocalypse of some kind or the other. Mm-hmm. And from thence comes post-apocalyptic wasteland where everyone exists as sound waves. Something Which, like that. Incidentally, let it never be said that I can't admit I'm wrong something something coronavirus, but also, man, we're approaching the one-year anniversary. Yeah, we really are, but... Not not to get too wrapped up in that, uh, but man, the problem with reading uh, podcasts, such a better name than this medical metaphysical wasteland. I, I will hands down admit that. I definitely agree. It also made titling the episodes really, really easy. It really did. Mm-hmm. Uh, but not memorable because you guys failed on all the questions that related to specific titles. Uh, uh, I got seven out of ten, I think. No, you got seven out of ten eventually, but oh. like having to do with the name specifically, you guys didn't like none of them. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, But anyway, uh, Stephen, what are you drinking right now? I am drinking an almost empty can of bubbly sparkling sparkling water. It's uh, raspberry, and uh, I think we've already done all the jokes on LaCroix, so I won't... uh, I'll I'll spare the listeners, but, uh, yeah, you know... Insert, like, a minute and a half of tired LaCroix jokes here. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sam, what do you got? Um, Same thing as last time, actually. I'm drinking this uh, Trader Joe's organic Moroccan mint green tea. It's so good. Very nice. A A man of habit, a man of culture. It's delicious. You put a little bit of honey in there. Yeah. Hmm. What's the difference between organic and non-organic tea? Because I mean, like, there is it something with GMOs or like what? What is non-organic tea? Is it just one, like rocks well, one in comes, your hot water? One comes from Trader Joe's, and the other, like, non-organic one doesn't come from Trader Joe's. Touche. Yeah, I think that's it. Mm, hmm. Sounds about right. Yeah. Uh, as for myself, I have some japanese green tea i don't really know more beyond uh except for that because i just sort of got it from uh, a house party that i was at or not a house party sorry a dinner party house party sounds much more exciting a mm-hmm. dinner party at which we had a quiet meal and then played a board game um 
the trail at the house on the hill actually in person. That's first a great time game. I played. Yeah, I yeah. love that it's game. It's so fun. We've only played it once in our group, and we need to try again. Um, I forget why we haven't, but anyway, yes, we need to play it again. It was a good time. Uh, yes, uh, but yes, I ha- I have this tea of unknown origin, and that is what I'm drinking. Wait, it, no, but it is of known origin. It's from Japan. I thought you said. Well, okay, yes, but beyond that, I, it, it's of unknown okay, origin. Okay. Yes. Also, um, weeb. Okay. <laughs> <sighs> all right, all right. Well, I can't... Th- hold on, there's got to be a trans... Uh, all right, okay, so weebs are, as we know, somewhat degenerates. Uh, speaking of another hive of degeneracy over the past few years, uh, our quick uh, article that we're going to look at this evening is about the Trump Hotel, and it's titled, uh, The Trump Hotel Employees Reveal What It Was Really Like Catering to the Right-Wing Elite. Dun-dun-dun. It's, it's in the uh, Washingtonian, I believe. Uh, and I'm going to open up here just w- with a, a, a quote that's sort of like the, the tradition that all of the servers would follow when Mr. El Presidente Trump uh, would, would enter uh, the hotel that bears his name. Quote, Everyone knew Table 72 belonged to the president. No one sat at Trump's table except the president, his children, and occasionally an approved member of his inner circle like Rudy Giuliani or Mike Pence. As soon as Trump was seated, the server had to discreetly present a mini bottle of Purell hand sanitizer, and this was applied long before COVID, mind you. Next, cue dialogue. Good time of day, Mr. President. Would you like your Diet Coke with or without ice? The server was instructed to recite. A polished tray with chilled bottles and highball glasses was already prepared for either response. Directions for pouring soda were detailed in a process no fewer than seven steps long and illustrated with four photo exhibits. The beverage had to be opened in front of the germaphobe commander-in-chief, never beforehand. The server was to hold the long neck bottle opener by the lower third of the handle in one hand and the Diet Coke, also by the lower third, in the other. Once poured, the drink had to be placed at the president's right-hand side. Repeat until POTUS departs. Trump always had the same thing, shrimp cocktail, a well-done steak, and fries, plus sometimes apple pie or or chocolate cake for dessert. Popovers, make it a double for the president, had to be served within two minutes and the crustaceans immediately. The manual instructed the server to open the mini glass bottles of Heinz ketchup in front of Trump, taking care to ensure that he could hear the seal make the pop sound, end quote. Which, I knew the president was a sociopath. Like, I I just kind of had that in mind, but a well-done steak? Like that, that <laughs> is beyond the pale. Like there's a lot of things that you can say about the Trump presidency. Uh, but honestly, the fact that every, you know, week or whatever that he went to his hotel and he would just ruin a perfectly good, big, like one of the hugest steaks that money can buy and just burn it to a crisp. Why would 40 you do ounces. that? 40 <laughs> ounces of well-done steak. Like what the hell is wrong with you? Yeah, well, the, in, in the, it's, it's fascinating. The article, like apparently one time, they gave him a steak that was smaller than somebody else's, and he flipped the crap out. Oh, it, interestingly enough, he wouldn't ever send a, a dish back, but no. he would, but he would like chew people out after the fact, and or so he, like, he would talk to them. He would talk about them to his inner circle, and oh, they really? would eventually. Isn't that what they said? I, I think it said like pretty much like if you screwed up a, a, a dish or whatever, he would eat it. You would just find out about it later. Yeah. Uh, so, however, it. It comes to pass, like apparently, just afterwards, they would take a forty ounce steak and just burn the crap out of it. I, yeah. I can't help but wonder the ketchup and having to hear it pop. Was the ketchup for the steak, <laughs> Mister President? Yes, it was. It one hundred percent was for the steak. Actual psychopath. 
Yeah, a lot of the, uh, the the article is is talking about the staff and what they went through trying to serve all of these sort of, you know, I think vaguely grifters is a decently fair term to call people that, you know, accumulated around uh, ex-President Trump. But the, the thing that I did note was that the place, like, they got paid pretty well for their, for having to put up with all that. Like, they said that a bartender made more than $100,000 a year with tips. Yeah, there did come a point where it's like, the, obviously the article is painting the the server out to be like quasi victims which to be mm -hmm. fair it, like it legitimately does sound that the president and his staff were kind of just all douchebags but it's like look you're you're getting paid six figures i'm not gonna feel too sorry for you like you're you're doing all right yeah i mean the high-end restaurant industry is a weird place i've had friends who work in that and it's just it's just a strange world where like you're making huge amounts of money but also it's so terrible and you feel like you're on the edge of your job constantly hmm. because what so, like one little slip up you accidentally slip up and you're gone accidentally spill some sauce on somebody's you know pants or whatever and just suits. yeah geez yeah that was another anecdote where i uh, Apparently, uh, like, what was it? A busboy got his apron caught in uh, a door and then, like, ended up flinging a stake at someone. Yeah, he flung it at Arthur Schwartz, the GOP, uh, GOP operative, apparently good friends with Don Jr. My favorite part about that part of the article, though, is it said, uh, quote, Schwartz, Schwartz came and cussed me out for a solid five, ten minutes talking about how he was wearing a $10,000 suit, the general manager says. The hotel did pay for all the cleaning. Schwartz declined the comment. <laughs> There is also just something about the, like the the pettiness of it. It's like yes, it's a ten thousand dollars suit. Obviously, you don't want to get it ruined, but you're also in a position where you can afford a ten thousand dollars suit. So, like, would it kill you to just show some decency to a human being who clearly made a mistake? Like, come on, this is not and, a yeah. And also, it's like the situation. Like, if it can be cleaned, it'll be cleaned. No harm, no foul. If it can't be cleaned, they'll have to replace. Like, there's not yeah. like a, a a different option. And cussing out doesn't add anything to the situation. No. Yeah. All it does, it's all, all that is, is you flexing on somebody who has no power. Like, yeah. congratulations, you're kicking a puppy. Yeah. I, I was surprised and at least moderately pleased by the, the comment that apparently Trump's children were fairly yes. decent. Hmm. Although, Don, it, well, Donald Jr., not like kind of being the exception, there were a few, I think there were a few anecdotes about him that weren't overly flattering. Yeah, I think it was talking more like his crowd was like sort of the worst hmm. of the bunch. Gotcha. Uh, in terms of people I, I i will say though so trump hotel uh in, in dc i forget what the official name is maybe the trump international hotel i don't totally recall uh i've been there and i can confirm that it is pretty legit on the inside it's like this giant open area that's just like sort of just gold stuff everywhere there's a big bar all of the rooms are sort of in this big square overlooking the middle area where there's the bar and it's just this giant sort of like if you just took like a big cube building and then took a giant uh, block right out of the center of it and then that's where you put the bar and all of the rooms mm -hmm. are looking down surrounding it so it's it's very like impressive theatrically and one of the coolest things about it is when you go there and you sit down I mean obviously you eventually have to pay for very overpriced drinks but you do get this little appetizer thing which has like nuts and maybe popcorn or something but then it also has jelly beans, which are there, again, by, you know, specific request and quirk of Donald J. Trump, who makes well, sure that they're served in all of his hotels. Actually. Oh, I'm getting corrected about that. Oh, boy. I, lear I learned this at the Jelly Belly factory in California. Um, Ronald Reagan was the one who popularized that. Ronald Reagan loved Jelly Bellies. 
No kidding. And so ever since the Reagan presidency, Jelly Bellies have been associated with like Reagan GOPism. And like they totally huh. lean into that at the factory. They there's all kinds of celebration of Ronald Reagan. That's hilarious. So Trump's True. using those similar to him using the motto make America, you know, great again, but adding but make America great from Reagan. The jelly beans are a callback to Reagan. I didn't know no that. He would offer, he would, Reagan would offer them at every single White House meeting. That is fascinating. I never heard that. The more you know. Yeah, That's okay. also a really great, like, stealthy way if you are the president to, like, punish someone is you you have, like, two jars of jelly beans that you can pull out of your desk. One has, like, good flavors and one has just, like, nasty flavors in disguise. Like, here, have a... I don't even Take know. Take the jelly bean. <laughs> Eat the or jelly like the, bean. The, um, yeah, the Hogwarts ones like the, or whatever. The Hogwarts ones. Yeah. yeah. And all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I, I'm yeah, also thinking, not, you, you remember that scene in Matilda uh, where, like, or did either of you guys read Matilda as a kid? Okay. So Roald Dahl in his weird, partially delightful, partially really messed up uh, world building has a- Mostly uh, messed up world building. Yeah, I would say like I would say seventy five twenty five. There is some honestly delightful thing, but that's besides the point. Um, so there's a a, a story in which the, there's a headmistress uh, called Mrs. Trunchbull or Miss Trunchbull, I think. Yeah, she sure isn't married, and she's like just the epitome of every mean spirited teacher principal that you could ever have. And one day, as a punishment for uh for some kid who like tried to steal a piece of her cake or something like that, she had him eat an entire cake. That was of course like way too massive for him to possibly eat uh and so i'm thinking in a similar way like you know you, you, someone pisses off the president have a jelly bean have another have another <laughs> just bag after bag after bag of jelly beans because what are you gonna do say no uh, the problem yeah. with jelly beans the problem mm, with jelly beans there we go that that has to be like that's one of the things that kept going through my head actually as i as i was reading this um i i remember kind of having this amusing thought of if I ever met Bill Gates at Microsoft, like this, they're just being this weird power dynamic where he could do literally whatever he wanted. He could throw a chair at me. He could cuss me out. I could not do anything. Like, what am I going to do? Sue him? Like, what am I going to do? Fight back? Like there's, there's nothing I could do in a similar way. Like you're one of the wait staff president calls you over and chews you out. The president comes over and sp you know, spits in your face. Like, what are you going? There's nothing you can do about it. There has to be some very strange power time. And like, yeah, sure. You could go to the press, but like, Trump doesn't give two poops about what the press says about him. So, like, it's just kind of a rough situation to be in. Granted, making six figures, but still, like, I can imagine it just being a very weird power dynamic. Yeah, and it sounds, I, I don't know, when I was reading it, and this isn't, like, being a Trump apologist or anything, but it sounded like, you know, Trump, he just, he seemed like he kind of wanted to stick to himself. I mean, he was a germaphobe. We all know that. And he wanted, you know, things a very particular way. And that may not be too different from previous presidents. But what really gets me about this is just like the crowd of people and like the multiple layers to get to Trump. It like reminds me of some kind of Stalinist situation where it's just like the, the, the number of feet you are away from, hmm. you're allowed to be away from, you know, the, the general, what was his title? The, the general oh? secretary of the secretary. Yeah. Or yeah. yeah. The, the number of feet you are away from the general secretary is like That's how much power rating. you have. Yeah. Yeah. No. I, I. I mean, having the hotel there really is just a great racket because you just have a central location for all your cronies to just set up and just you know if they're there they're in favor if they run in you know if they want they're always looking to run into Trump or or into members of his family like when I visited the hotel it was 2018 I think and uh, we saw Don Jr. 
the people who I were with walked through the lobby and, you know, surrounded by a crowd of people who were just flocking. And one guy in my group ran over and managed to get a photo with him, which was hilarious. And uh, the rest of us were like, uh, maybe not. Let's, no. <laughs> let's not do that. I'm honestly impressed that he managed to get a photo. I'm surprised he didn't just get told to piss off. Well, yeah. John Jr. likes the likes the popularity, the press, and the gotcha. Gotcha. and 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 as and as the article noted, there's a there's some uh, bit of credibility that's uh, lent to you if you're you know dressed like a Fox News anchor while you're on the premises. Uh, and said person was dressed suit and tie. We all were because we were coming AI. From, yeah, coming yeah. from a conference. So uh, we all looked the, the the part of you know I don't know young Republican operatives, even if that was not what we were. Uh, well, with the, with, if you had the name tag that said AEI on it, that, that gives you at least a few feet. I'm pretty sure we took <laughs> name tags off as soon as we got close to the building. Uh, we didn't want people to trace that back, but... Um, probably smart. Yeah, probably, probably smart. Uh, so speaking of smart, one way that you prove that you are smart is by winning in, let's say, games, uh, you know, like math decathlons or whatever and quizzes and i believe steven uh our our dear co-host here has in fact a quiz for us uh steven do you want to tell us what this quiz is all about i do so uh as we all know being good christian men uh the early church was plagued with many many a heretic many people trying to deviate it from the the straight and narrow as it were as good christian men we also know that evolution is evil and Pokemon evolve, therefore Pokemon are evil, but we've all done our research, and therefore we know our enemy. We know our Pokemon. And so this contest will be between Pokemon and heretics. So yeah, I'm going to come clean here. I, that, that was actually an argument used for me growing up, and because that I, I've never played a Pokemon game, Stephen. <laughs> I, I had, my, my parents were vaguely uncomfortable with Pokemon because of evolution and whatnot, but like, that one was one that they didn't quite put their foot down, uh, which I appreciated because I, I enjoyed the cards and the games. I, I never played any of the video games. Well, none of the like uh, handheld games, though, which was sad. I was trying to think of something to throw in here about how it's, what, Lamarckian evolution versus Darwinian evolution in the case of these, in the case of Pokemon, and maybe you could somehow justify that to make it better to a Christian mm -hmm. parent. Uh, sorry, young evangelical Christian parent, I would say. <laughs> uh, but I just, I, I couldn't think of the joke. Um, Lamarckian, is that the one where like you exercise the periodic. a trait? The periodic. Wait, am I... Yeah. I know there's what one means... where you exercise a tra you exercise a trait and then you pass it on to your child. Uh, in that, uh no, the, like it was a theory before Darwin. Um I mean, epigenetic, that does sound right, mm -hmm. and there is something with that, but this was like literally you run fast and therefore like you the muscles you gain from running fast you will pass on to your child. Yeah, I think I think that might be Lamarckian. Gotcha. That, uh, I mean, that one was, it was debunked. Thing, my understanding it is was that debunked, it's faster. But then parts of it are starting to come back because of via epigenetics, epi epigenetics yeah. which is yeah, yeah. more solid. Yeah, yeah more for thing. sure. Anyway, now that we've all proved that we are complete ignoramuses when it comes to <laughs> science, uh, let's, let's, let's try our hand at, at heresies in Pokemon. Okay. So round one, Audius. Pokemon. Heretic. Okay, let's see. It is a heretic. Damn it. I should have known that. Sam one, Brevin zero. All right. Okay. Gyarados. Pokemon. Pokemon. Correct. Now I, I I knew that right away, but I was pausing so that I didn't skip Sam. Yep. <laughs> smart. <laughs> smart. Uh, Ariados. Pokemon. Heretic. Pokemon. Ah. Brevin's all caught up. Okay. One on one. Nestorius. Heretic. Heretic. Yep. Correct. That one. That one was gimme. Kind of. Yeah. Nestorianism. 
Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I I will note here, Sam, that you're fighting for the Protestants here. So uh, please don't don't let us down slash us crypto orthodox. Fighting for the Protestants here because of the Protestants, I wasn't allowed to ever play Pokemon. Ooh, that's a <laughs> good point. Ooh, yeah. And I will say that it actually him being on the Protestants gives him an unfair advantage. Ooh, ooh, that's. Yep, that was clever. That was well done. Okay, Thank moving you. right on. Uh, Nidoran. That was really mean. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that Pokemon. was hurtful. That was very hurtful. <laughs> I'm going to guess this one's a Pokemon, though. Correct. So both of you have two. Okay. Arius. Heretic. Heretic. Yeah, I mean, the world grown <clears throat> to find itself Arian. Yeah, all that. Yeah. Uh, Montanus. Heretic. Heretic. Yep. Paris. P-A-R-A-S. Pokemon. I think Pokemon, too. Correct. Pelagius. Heretic. Heretic. Yeah, yeah. that's a gimme. Mistriavis. Pokemon. Pokemon. Correct. Miss Magius. Spell it. M-I-S-M-A-G-I-U-S. Heretic. I, I said, said heretic. He said Pokemon. Oh, oh sorry, sorry. Uh, Pokemon. Damn it. I don't know that one. Ah, it's it's possible you're mispronouncing it. <laughs> uh, yeah, potentially. Miss Mia- Miss Magius. Miss Magius. Sure. Anyway, Sam's up it's, one. It's an imaginary animal. Um. Priscillian. Heretic. Heretic. You are correct. Yeah. Sabilius, or Sabelius, rather, with an E. S-A-B-E. Heretic. Heretic. Heretic is correct. Tauros. T-A-U-R-O-S. Pokemon. Correct. Last but not least, this is your chance to, to tie, Brevin. Yeah. Apollinarius. Heretic. Heretic. Correct. I have a funny story about Apollinarius. Uh, so I remember... <laughs> That's not... Okay, hold on. Pause right there. Okay, so once again, you know how there are certain sentences that have not yet appeared in the English language and are said for the first time. I think that was one of them. So I have a funny story about Apollinarius. <laughs> you're, okay. Yep, you're not wrong there. You're uh, not wrong. Also, so, congratulations, Sam. I failed. Yes, I feel... I thank just, you. Oh, it, it, Sam it, it, it has hurt. succeeded. Well yeah. done, well done, three to two. Um, well, actually, no, I was only, I think I only counted when there was a, a power Anyway, game, so. Sam won by one, that's what's important. Indeed, that's what really matters. So, I remember in high school, I uh, thinking about the uh, the incarnation, as one does, and trying to figure out some more set formulaic, like, try to grap- grapple with it, try to, try to wrap my head around it, and I remember thinking, like, well, wait a second, so, like, what if, like, Christ, like, he was human, but his soul was divine? Like that, that would actually kind of make sense. And so I go to my youth pastor. I'm like all excited about like this, like this actually could, could make sense. And him being like, yeah, it's a great idea. Um, that was condemned as a heresy. That's Apollinarianism. So, uh, better luck next time. And I got really sad. Honestly, props to the youth pastor for knowing that. For knowing Apollinarianism. Yeah. Yeah. I, he was a smart guy. He had a master's in philosophy and wait, I think I know Wait, this what? Guy. Oh, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah I met him. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. He's great. Wow. My. My upbringing would have been so much different if my youth pastor had a master's in philosophy. It was nice. That ended up like Stephen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, instead of lazing around at the John Jay Institute, whatever whatever weird place that was. It was basically a youth group, except <laughs> <laughs> the president had a master's in political science. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well uh, done, Sam. Yeah, you. well done, Sam. I'm, I've, I've embarrassed myself after all of my high talking. Uh, and this is from the guy who wasn't allowed to play Pokemon growing mm-hmm. up so yeah. uh no domain yeah no it's it's fair it was just the one i'm gonna text me the name of, of like that pokemon I'm, I'm gonna look it up um because i'm 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 annoyed that i missed that but uh it was more just like a bet thing like if there's one to get ahead this would be it and it backfired on me and god that makes mm-hmm. me mad and you know when i am mad i rant uh but i won't rant first so steven would you like to lead us off 
I have a short but uh, very bitter rant. So one indexing. One indexing is the devil, and anyone who tells you differently is a liar and the father of lies. Uh, so in computer science, you have array, or in programming languages, you have arrays or ways of, sh of storing multiple pieces of information all in a contiguous block. Any good, decent, reasonable person zero indexes them for reasons I won't get into because they're boring and whatnot, but pretty much it makes it very easy to manage your indices. Uh, it makes it very easy to perform math. Also, our numbers go from zero to nine, not from one to 10. One to 10 does not make sense. Zero to nine does because you, it just does. And it's very annoying to me. And there's a program called Fortran or a programming language called Fortran and an even more po uh, popular programming language called MATLAB. And both of them are one indexed, and for some reason, they are like the de facto standard for a lot of math programming, and it's one of the stupidest things I've ever heard of in my life, and it leads to garbage programming languages that make you sit around trying to figure out random bugs that wouldn't be popping up if it was zero indexed like any other decent programming language. So, MATLAB is garbage language because of one indexing. That's... That's Niche. I was, I'm impressed. I like it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, uh, that's yeah, that's. I'm not happy with it. That's the kind of uh, incredibly specific and uh, completely well, not completely, almost uniformly unrelatable problems that our listeners come come here for is just that 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 little special sauce. That's like what? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I, yep. <laughs> I love it. Uh, another thing that I love, at least a little bit upon reflection, is uh, icicle Christmas lights. Uh, and I've sort of just like come to think that they're sort of a marker of our generation, I think. Like I had them in, in my dorm room. I had some purple strings, you know, that ringed the hole uh, in, in, inside of the room. It had a very nice low-key vibe. Uh, but there are some people who seem to take offense at icicle Christmas lights, especially if they stay up year-round. And they'll say, you know, they're immature. It's not real house lighting. It's super dormy. Uh, and to that last point, for sure, they they definitely have point. It's it's one hundred percent a college thing, and there are actually some very funny photos of like apartment buildings where it's like I can see all of my people, and it's all the windows that are lit up with this like light purple glow, and it's like ah yeah, those are all the all of the millennials and and zoomers, the recently graduated, all of the recently graduated exactly, and you know those are our kind of people, and you know that. I agree that there's a, a bit of immaturity that comes with depending on that kind of lighting, but also there is something super comforting about lights like that. You know, the, the college feeling is a safe and a comfortable one. The, the Christmas vibes that sort of come along with it, the nostalgia, that's pleasant as well. And the glow, I have to say, is much more muted than uh, so many hard overhead lighting, which I absolutely despise harsh overhead lighting. It's, it's the absolute worst. So to conclude, there's definitely a time to grow up and, you know, improve your uh, aesthetic but there are different ways to do that and also staying just a little bit whimsical needs to be a priority too as you do so uh so to all of those who hate icicle lights irrationally uh chill out that was a lot more that wholesome than i thought awesome. it was gonna be yeah yeah i thought you were gonna start yeah. styling on on christmas lights and oh, i thought okay. about it but Fair i have enough. them up in my home so i can't yeah it'd be <laughs> inside your apartment yes yeah all right sam yeah, I um, so I have a rant, but it, it, it's just an experience I had today that leaves me feeling very conflicted. So I received a call today from a um, pharmaceutical company. I'm I'm starting a medication, and for in order to do this, I needed to have a call with them to go over, you know, what it is and all the, you know, how to use it and all that stuff. Great, but this call, which should have taken about five minutes, turned into about a twenty-five minute call, 
as the woman on the line asked me, you know, where I was, or asked me for my address, I told her Snohomish, and she asked, and she was immediately enthralled with where that was. And I learned that she was from Atlanta. She's in Georgia. And we spent 25 minutes talking about Seattle, where I graduated from. I gave her my email, which was my student email. And we talked about where I graduated from, what I graduated in, why I graduated in that, what, what I enjoyed about it, my career. Uh, she saw my birthdays coming up. We talked about that. It was, um, and I was a little bit perturbed because it was the middle of my workday and I had meetings that I needed to get ready for. But at the same time, I left the call feeling so whole, having this woman who had no reason to want to talk to me, who was genuinely interested in my life for no reason, when she should just be a, you know, a deadpan person giving me the information on this drug I have to take. So I don't know, I'm conflicted. Maybe this is just an example of Southern hospitality, but I had not experienced it in quite that way in such an unexpected circumstance. And I am both unhappy about it, about it having wasted my time, but also deeply touched. I still don't know what to think. <laughs> So we have one super salty rant, one super wholesome rant, and then one, I don't know what to be. <laughs> yeah. And uh, that's the problem with reading. A, it, no, the problem with ranting, I guess? Yeah, yeah no, uh, no. There that, that doesn't deserve an A. I was, just, I was just throwing that yeah, out. Yeah, I mean, I was trying to give you, you know, throw you a bone. Thank you. No, stressful. like, I, I appreciate it, but I want to deserve the A's when they happen, yeah, you know? That's fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want the undeserved A's. It's just, it's not even worth it. Um... All right. Uh, any any final thoughts? Well, I'm just curious. I mean, like when I podcast, I listen to like, you know, current events podcasts or like something that's like a unique story, you know, in a mm. self-contained story of something. And I will rarely get through a whole one of those before jumping onto a newer one. If a listener made it to the end of this particular episode, please write us because I'm, I'm just, I mean, like just for, for science. I'm curious. This is for posterity. <laughs> No, I'm curious why. <laughs> <laughs> why on uh, earth don't you have anything better to do? <laughs> All right. Yeah, uh, well, so it. so so I I have a reason why. It's a very short story. Um. So today I I was cleaning up the the bedroom and I was considering opening the window. It's very cold out, but I I like uh, rooms to be colder rather than warm, and the room was too warm. So I was going to open the window, but then I noticed our little plant. And my wife and I have a plant that has been with us for many years. Its name is Innsbjorg. Uh, which is a Norwegian name. And uh, so I noticed a plant and I was like, a Norwegian oh, plant. well, no, it's just, the name is Norwegian. And, but it's like this very delicate plant, you know, that would just it tip over at the touch of a finger, absolutely would get destroyed by any weather changes. But I, I, I looked at this plant and then looked at the window. I was like, huh, no, the plant will be fine because it's, it's Innsbjörg, it's a Norwegian plant. And then I was like, holy, wait, what, what did I just do? I, I anthropomorphized the plant so hard based on its name. that, <laughs> and, and, and I'm just like, I'm still kind of dumbstruck at how hard I, I like attributed human Norwegian qualities to this plant just out of absolutely nowhere. Uh, and I'm impressed with myself with that. And uh, that is... That is my short story, listener, that you get to hear if you made it all the way to the end. Well done. That is a well-deserved story. All right. Uh, well, with that well-deserved story, I believe we will bring this episode uh, to a close. Uh, so for everyone here at the Problem with Reading Podcast, I'm Brevin. I'm Steven. And I'm Sam. And uh, we'll see you next week for a special episode with a special guest, I do believe. Yes. Or not next week, but several weeks. Some, some amount of time. Next time. What is time? What even is time? Indeed. 
Which is a great uh, song from the Inception soundtrack. Whew, that oh, man, Hans stuff. Zimmer, man, he brings it. He does indeed. That was fun. Yeah, that was very fun. Sure. It, yeah, it was sure. nice to to not have any pressure. Yeah. We yeah. haven't had that in a long time, I think. Yeah, that this was one good. was like the article was just very well poised. It was had a lot of just kind of random funny talking points that didn't really merit any sort of analysis. It was just mm -hmm. look at how weird the Trump admin was. Like, sounds like they were all just kind of douchebags, and that was about that.